Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Success Harbor Podcast with George Mazaros, where it's all about making success happen for you. Hi, everyone. This is George Mazaros with Success Harbor. I have Tim Berquin with me. Tim is the co-founder of After Offers. After Offers helps companies grow their email lists, meet their future customers, and monetize their sign-up and registration paths. Welcome. Oh, thanks very much, George. I appreciate it. Thanks for being here, Tim. Uh, tell me how and why you started After Offers, and what were you doing prior to that? So I started After Offers because we had a website that was a membership podcast website called Trader Interviews, and I interviewed online traders about how they approached the stock market every day and made money. Most of these guys were full-time traders, and um, I have always had an interest in the markets and was trading myself, so it was fun to talk to these guys. And I was looking for new revenue sources for the site. You know, we were doing a membership site, which, which was really successful. But I was trying to think, you know, what else can we do to add another revenue stream that's kind of a passive income thing um, to the site? And so I, I knew that the idea of offering other people's newsletters that were complementary to ours after they joined ours was not a new idea. I'd seen this in the past, but it was done pretty poorly. And it was hard to implement. I went out and looked for a couple of companies to help us do this, where we could just implement this pretty easily on our thank you page after somebody joined our newsletter. And it was hard to do. It took programming and coding, and we had to get approved. And I had no control over the types of newsletters that were offered on our thank you page. You know, they, they could have offered online casino ads. And I just was not happy with the whole thing. And so my brother, who is my co-founder, thankfully, uh, is a software engineer. And uh, I stole him away from a company to take a 90% pay cut to come and uh, be a half owner of After Offers and build a system that you could literally cut and paste one line of code into uh, any HTML page and be up and running. And so the way it works is that after somebody joins our trading newsletter, they get to a thank you page. And for a lot of people, that thank you page simply says, hey, thanks for joining our newsletter stay tuned, you're going to get some great stuff. You know, and we always thought that was a missed opportunity. So now our thank you page would say, thanks for joining our newsletter. Here are some others that you might be interested in. And every time somebody selected one of those, we would get paid. And so we used that on our own site. We went and got our own advertisers for uh, the platform. And, uh, you know, a couple of people that were my friends in the business saw it and said, hey, what is this? Did you guys build this? And we said, yeah. And I never thought of it, stupid me. I never thought of it as, as a, a separate service that we could launch independently. And so we set up accounts for our friends to use it in the business. They were starting to make money with it. And then finally the, the, the bell went off in my head. Hey, this can be an independent business where we just do this in the financial space and make it available for all kinds of you know, personal finance bloggers, stock market bloggers, anything like that. And um, so it grew to the point where I decided to sell our original site, the Trader Interviews site, and just do after offers as a full-time gig. And so we started doing that uh, about a year ago. Oh, wow. So you mentioned that uh, you started after offers with your brother, uh, Emil, right? Right. And uh, so it's a family business in a sense. And my wife and I uh, own our business and own several businesses together. Uh, it works for us. It sounds like it works for you. But what's your, stake, uh, what's your take on starting a building with family members? Um, how is it different? Is there an advantage or disadvantage? Uh, what's your take on that? 
Yeah, it's you know it's tricky when you have any kind of partner in a business. I think it's even trickier if those people are family members because you know you have to be very careful that you know family is number one to me. Uh, you know, I, I, no business is worth damaging the relationship with my brother. We've always been very close since we were kids, and so it's I think it's one of those things where as long as you communicate. Don't let anything fester. If you have a problem or if you have an issue, bring it out into the open and constantly do that. Constantly have that communication back and forth. Don't hold anything back. Don't hold any grudges. And then it works, right? And if there are disagreements, I'm a big proponent of having you know, something in place that says, okay, if we just can't come to a compromise on something – we bring in a third party to make the decision for us. And, you know, it, but it's, it's tricky because, you know, if, even if that happens and whoever lo essentially loses right their side of the argument to somebody else making the decision, you have to make sure that that doesn't affect you the next day when you have Thanksgiving together. Right. So thankfully my brother and I are almost always on the same page. I mean, we agree on most everything and we agree on how to run the business uh, and we haven't had a, a situation where we've just come to a point where we haven't figured out what the answer should be. I think one way he thinks another. Most of the time, one of us feels strongly about it enough that we convince the other that the, the way we think we should proceed or this avenue we should pursue or way we should do business is the right way. And so it's a lot of give or take. And um, you just, you know, if I, I guess if I ever felt like the business was coming between us as brothers, we'd figure out something else to do because nothing is more important. You know, nothing can, can take advantage of, of just that relationship of family. That's, you know, that's much more important. Okay. Um, you know, um, uh, you know, your, your business after offers is about building email lists. And, uh, I hear from so many, uh, businesses that I wish we started earlier. We start, we started growing our email list sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, what do you think is the biggest reason for companies just not taking it seriously or just kind of putting it on the back burner? I mean, what advice do you have for those, those businesses? Yeah, I think that they just don't know how much money they're leaving on the table. What huge, huge problem it is not to have an email list. And secondarily, I think the bloggers who use FeedBurner as their email list are also making an enormous mistake. Putting that uh, control uh, of their email list uh, into somebody else's hands in terms of what can be mailed out or, you know, if FeedBurner goes away, you know, Google's already discontinued the Google Reader. I think it's a matter of time before they discontinue FeedBurner. But going backwards, backing up just a little bit, uh, I think that People get bad information that email is dead, that social media is the way to go, Twitter, Facebook, and certainly you should do that. But if you think email is dead, you are just not just you know, mistaken. You're flat out wrong. And most people, anybody who's got an email list that's successful and doing it a while will tell you that you know, for, for individual bloggers, for small businesses who work online, online businesses, 90% of your revenue is in your list. 90%. And if you don't have an email list, man, you got to start today. And I don't care if that just means you get one person subscribing a day. That's fine. Get it started. Don't be cheap. Go and get an AWeber account. Get their lowest version account or get response to account, you know, for $20 a month. It's, it's, it's the smallest 
but most important investment you can make in your online business is to have a list. It's something that nobody can take away from you. Nobody can do a Google slap on you and update their algorithm and all of a sudden your traffic is down. Nobody can take that list away from you. If you don't have an email list today, I don't care if you use after offers or not, get started. You must have a list. It's, it's that critical. I'm, I'm that, you know, I don't I, I can't make it any more passionate uh, of an argument for it. You know, I'm not trying to turn this into uh, an after offers commercial, but what if I'm a small business and I'm, I just don't have any confidence that, you know, my site is good enough to use something like, uh, like after offers. Maybe, you know, I haven't been, uh, building my list, uh, you know, religiously or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, can I still use this tool or I need to wait until I have, you know, uh, maybe like, 20 people signing up every day for my newsletter or something no, like that. No, we've got people that use after offers. They get two people subscribing a day. Sometimes they get no subscribers, you know, and they'll get two the next day or three the next day. We've never been concerned with the volume of your, uh, or the size of your email list. For us, it's all about if you've got a good site, you've got a good topic, you've got a good niche and audience, and you're building your list the right way, right? You're not buying lists. You're not spamming people. If you've got Two opt-ins a day, a single opt-in a day, one subscriber a day. As long as that one subscriber is the right person and they're getting into your list and joining your list for the right reasons, you can use after offers. It's never been uh, we've never been someone you know that said you've got to have thirty or forty opt-ins a day to make this work. I mean, obviously you're going to make more money that way, but uh, we don't make it a contingency you know to joining the network. Okay, and in terms of asking for emails, I see. So so often on websites, these tired sign up for my newsletter on the bottom of the page type of sign up that, you know, I mean, nobody wants another newsletter. So what should we do to get people to sign up for not our newsletter, but to give our their email? What, how, how should we entice them? Yeah, true. So these days, you know, I see a lot of people when they first start out, their newsletter opt in says, get our weekly newsletter. That's it. That's all it says. Or it says, uh, you know, get, get weekly updates. Now that works. Obviously it's okay. You're going to get a few people joining, but it's not exciting to anybody. You've got to, you've, you don't have to offer some 300 page massive white paper. That's going to make them rich kind of thing as the carrot to get them to join your list, but come up with a two, you know, write it, take one of your blog posts or just write a four page or a five page PDF Give it a snappy title, something that's going to be interesting to people, and make that the thing that you give away. Say, you know, get our 20-page – or no, get our, our 20 secrets to growing your business uh, in the next 30 days or something along those lines, something with some very definitive, helpful information in the ebook. It doesn't have to be long. Again, maybe four or five pages. It can, shoot, if it's good information, it could be a single page. Get our one-page checklist of 30 things you should be doing by the end of the month to grow your business by 20%. You know, be very specific about it. Okay. And once I once I start building my list, what is what is the right frequency of sending an email? Yeah. I mean, is it some people are afraid to send emails, some people send emails too often. Um, is there a rule of thumb for that? You know, there's not a rule of thumb, but I think people err on the side of emailing too infrequently. And the reason they do that is they think that every person on their list gets every single email they send. And yes, if that was the case, maybe you wouldn't want to email every day. But the honest truth is that these days, most people don't give you their work address or their primary home address. They give you their secondary Gmail account, maybe their Yahoo account that they check every other day. So 
they almost treat those emails as a Twitter stream. And just like Twitter, if you tweet 100 times a day, I'm probably not going to see all of them, right? I'm going to see the ones that when I am checking Twitter, I'm going to see those that come through the stream. Think of it as a river. So as you're standing next to the river, somebody said this one time, and it, it's, not my, it's not my thing, but I don't know who said it, but it's right. If you're standing next to a river and a boat comes by, if you're not standing next to the river at that moment, you're not going to see the boat, right? And, and people treat their email and their Twitter streams the same way. Unless you're looking at it in that moment, you're probably not going to see it. So I always recommend, and when people hear me say this, they're like, oh, I, you know, I, until they realize that this is the way I, their email works, no, no less than three times a week. No less. If you do it weekly, you're going to find that initially your open rates are good, but they're going, to, they're going to fade very, very quickly because people aren't checking their email. They go into the email that they check, their second or third tier emails, and they're, they delete everything at once. And so they're not going to see it. And you increase the chances of them seeing your email if you send it two or three times a week. Now, that puts a lot of work on you because to, to put out two or three emails a week, you need to have good content. You can't put out crappy two or three emails a week. People will just unsubscribe. So you've got to come up with stuff that you're going to put out two or three times a week. So that creates more work for you. But it will also create more sales because people are – you're in front of people more often. You have another opportunity to sell and, and, and provide them value with good content. Okay. Um, now, you had a lot of success in business. You mentioned that you, you sold your previous business once uh, after offers uh, uh, took off. You know, but I mean, I'm sure it wasn't just a, a walk in the park. Uh, can you talk about maybe a big mistake that you made in business or some major learning experience for you, either in this business or your previous business? Yeah, I think the the biggest mistake we made was initially waiting too long to provide something to sell, to to monetize our site. Because I think what most people think of is, okay, I'm going to start a website of content, a podcast, or a blog, or whatever it may be, and they think, I'm not going to sell anything yet. I'm just going to give people tons and tons and tons of free content, and eventually, I've given them so much awesome free stuff that when I do finally sell something, they're just going to throw money at me because they're going to go, man, if this guy gives away all this free stuff, think about what the paid stuff has got to be like. And yet that is absolutely false. All they want is more free stuff when you provide tons of great free stuff. And when you finally do go to sell something, they're like, wait a minute, you're selling something? My gosh, I thought you were all about giving us free stuff and I don't like this anymore. I'm unsubscribing. I'm not reading your stuff anymore. All it does is lend that. So what I tell people and what we did initially, and it took us a while to figure this out, the day you put your blog up from the first post or podcast you do, you should have a $9 ebook for sale on the site. You may not sell any of it. You may get one sale a month. But the point is it sets the, the tone for your site. It sets the idea into your audience's mind that, look, I'm giving you free stuff, but you're still going to give away you know, good content and value. But I also have content that is worthy of your dollars. And if you set that tone early, right away and immediately, when you do start to do more selling and more proactive promotion of those things, it's not a shock to their system. They understand that you are here to make money. You're here to provide value, sure, but this is a business, right? Donut shops don't open to give away free donuts. They open to sell donuts, and they sell it from the moment their door opens. 
And your online business, even if it's a content marketing play, should be the same way. Okay. Now, what do you think is the biggest time waster for entrepreneurs? Uh, maybe somebody that just starts out or entrepreneurs in general, that, you know, based on what you've seen around you? Yeah, I think the biggest time waster for most people is they think that the actual buying ebooks, buying courses, reading those ebooks, taking those courses is the work of starting their business. It is not the work. You are doing the preliminary research to start working. And so what I see people doing is they get into this thing of, oh, I'm going to conferences, I'm reading ebooks, I'm buying courses, I'm talking to people. I'm really trying to decide what business to get in. You are wasting time. That every day that you don't have your blog up and every day that you don't have your ebook up for sale, you are losing money, you are losing time. Life is short, man. Get on it. The work is not investigating, researching, talking to people. The work is like building the site, putting up the post, doing the podcast, selling the ebook. That's the work. People, people mistake the fact that the research portion of the business is the work. Get that done, man. Make a decision. Open one of the doors that you're looking at, of the 15 doors you want to go through. Go through that door and get started because that's when you're going to start to make money. Everything else is just a waste of time. Now, you know, one of the hardest things, uh, I think, owning, at least uh, I've owned my own business for over 10 years, uh, is to deal with the ups and downs of owning, owning my business. And how do you deal with that roller coaster ride in, in, your, in your business? Yeah, and, and, and I still have it. I mean, yesterday was a great example for me. I didn't have a great day yesterday. We had troubles with PayPal. Uh, we had troubles with um, somebody else's system that we were plugged into that was down. I mean, there are days like that. I mean, people, I think people get the feeling like the moment they quit their job and go into business themselves, you know, it's, it's rainbows and candy. And that's just absolutely not true. I mean, surely working for yourself is better than working for the man any day of the week. There's no question about that. It's always better than that. But just like people who are working full time have crappy days and don't feel like going into work, I have those days too. And I work for myself and we do very well in business. I make a good living doing this. But I have days when I sit down at my desk and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't want to do this today, you know, or I got to I got to do administrative work that, you know, isn't my, the fun part of the business. But so it's OK. It's OK to feel like that. It's not all just joy and roses and, you know, happy times when you're working for yourself. You're going to have those up and down days, too. You just have to realize that it, it's par for the course. And I have to tell myself this, too, you know, every day that, you know, I don't feel like doing this, it's OK to step away from the desk and just go out for a walk. You know, I feel guilty sometimes about doing that still. Like I should be back, you know, hitting the phone. I should be writing a blog post. I should be editing a podcast. You know, I should be doing all those things. But it, it's OK to take a break, even though you work for yourself. Um, it, it, you know, that's why you work for yourself. So that you can do those things and just know that, you know, that time will pass. And as long as you keep at it and are steady and keep hitting it. You will have success. I want to ask you about differentiating business. I mean, your business is is very unique, but I'm sure you know differentiation is still important. How do you deal with that with uh, after offers? Well, I'm not sure what you mean by differentiation. Well, okay. you know, differentiating yourself from others, maybe competition or yeah. other businesses that try to do what you do, or maybe different ways or the same way. Yeah, yeah, got it. Okay. So we do have competitors in the business. Um, we weren't the first people to think of this idea, and so we have competitors. And we do a couple of different things to set ourselves apart. Um, we pay people faster. 
Um, they call my cell phone. You know, I have people that call me at nine o'clock at night. I'm on the West Coast here in the U.S. And, uh, you know, people that we have we have website owners in our network that are in the U.K. and Australia and Singapore. And they know that if they have a problem or they have a question or they need something, they can call my cell phone and I pick up. Right. I do have to sleep. And so there are times when I don't. But I think in this case, being smaller and more nimble really helps. They know that they can they send a message to me on Skype and if I'm there, I'll answer it. So we make being smaller than all of our competitors a good thing. We make it so that, look, they know that they can call the co-founder of the business and I can make a decision and help them immediately at that moment. So we use those those things that that are, are differentiating about us because we are nimble and we're small. We can move quickly. Um, but at the same time, we're also very careful. We're very picky about who we work with. So they know that if I bring an advertiser in and I'm going to show this advertiser on their thank you page, it's somebody that they're not going to be embarrassed to have on there. We don't you know, have uh, get-rich-quick schemes that we put on people's thank you pages. And so they trust us and know that we're going to be more picky about the offers than they probably would be because we only want to work with people that are legitimate. Um, so, you know, just that that open line of communication, being able to reach us when they need to, and just us communicating with them, I think is how we set ourselves apart. Okay. Now, if let's say somebody from your family or, or one of your best friends would come to you that had a job and now wants to be an entrepreneur, what yeah. would be the first thing you would teach them or that person? Yeah, the first thing I would do is I would say do it on the side first, obviously, because you don't want to put that pressure on yourself of just quitting your job and go, oh my God, I've got to make up, you know, that $8,000 salary I was making every month right now, right? You don't want that pressure. So do it on the side, do it on, in the evenings, you know, do it at lunchtime and, and build something that, you know, first we can go back to the email list, build the email list right away because that's going to be your quickest route to money is to being able to build that list and either doing affiliate offers, using after offers, using uh, it to, to sell your own products. You know, come up with a three or four page ebook. It doesn't have to be some awesome thing. I think that's the thing that people think I have to wait and wait and wait to write this huge, enormous ebook. You don't need to. It's some people don't have the patience to read it anyway. They're, you know, they're busy too. So come up with something small, start your email list and just get up a blogger account if you don't have any money and set up a WordPress, you know, or a free WordPress blog and start writing. That's the fastest way. That's the, it's the easiest way to, to get up and running quickly. All the tools are out there. It used to be harder to do this, but you can set up a blog and put a PayPal button up there in a day and be selling an ebook and be blogging that day. So it, it you can do it quickly. Um. If you would start all over again, if you would start after hours again, uh, would you change after anything? Hours. Would you do? Everybody yeah. says after hours. I get. It. I wish I owned the after hours domain name, but it's. After I, hours. I meant to say after offers. I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> so if you if you would start after offers again, uh, what would you do differently? Would you change anything? No, I don't think so. You might have to ask me in a year, and I might, you know, I might have more insight into that and go, you know, what? that was a mistake. I should have started. <laughs> I should have done this better. At this yeah. point, I. You know, the beauty of hindsight is you can see the mistakes you made, right? I think we're still early in this, and so I think I, I don't know yet what we might have done differently. We're, we're still trying a lot of different things. So I think I, 
the one thing I know right away is I would have done it earlier. Like everything, I think everybody feels that about their business. Like, man, if I had only just come across this idea, if this idea had just come into my mind a year or two earlier, uh, it would have been better. And and certainly, I think that's, that's true with us too. But that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll do another interview in a year and you can ask me again and I'll probably be like, oh yeah, that was the thing that I really screwed up. But I'm probably screwing it up right now and don't know that I'm screwing it up right now. And so <laughs> I won't know until I get a little more distance. Uh, do you have uh, someone in business that you look up to or someone that you would like to emulate and, mm. and, and, and why? Wow, that's a good idea. Uh, or that's, that's interesting. Um, I don't know that I, I you know, I, I, I look up to the guys that do like the real huge big entrepreneurs like the Elon Musks of the world that's doing SpaceX and, you know, Tesla, those kinds of guys. I mean, that's, that's a whole nother level of entrepreneur compared to where, you know, what we do. But, I, you know, I like reading about those guys because I like reading about the mindset that they had. And, to you know, I saw the 60 Minutes episode with Elon Musk recently. I mean, he talked about the day before Christmas when he'd had three rockets fail and Tesla had cars that they couldn't sell because there were defects in them. And he felt, you know, he said himself, he's like, I never thought I'd be the type of person that was could have a mental breakdown. But at that moment, I felt like I really could. And just to know that these guys who were millionaires – billionaires still have these days where they're like, man, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to work? I mean, it's on a much grander scale than, than, than what we have, but they still feel like that too. They have those days when they're like, this is not good, man. You know, what's going to happen here? Just to know that. So I like reading about those guys. I like reading about anybody who starts from nothing, starts from scratch. Um, Builds it literally from zero. I mean, it, it's it's obviously easier to build a business if you have money to start with. Um, but to, to start it from nothing, literally nothing in your bank account, you start a blog, you start an ebook, you sell that first $9, that first $9 goes into your bank account. There's not a lot of people that write about that, and, and I wish they would because that's those are the kinds of people I'd love to hear about. Yeah, it's interesting. I interviewed um, a gentleman uh, that built a $50 million uh, business his name is Mark Fackler, and uh, he, I asked him uh, you know, the problems, the difference between starting out and having problems and when you run a $50 million business. And he says you just add a few zeros to, to the problems, you know, but it's the same problems. And you, know, when you, <laughs> you talked about Elon Musk. I, I actually saw that interview too, and I thought it was a great, great one. But you know, he is having some of the same problems. You know, he's up at 2, 3 a.m., I'm sure the same way as a lot of us on some days, you know, worrying about problems with the business. Right. No question. I mean, when, you know, when we have problems with PayPal, like I was talking about yesterday, I'm trying to send you know, $10,000 to somebody, and it's not going through, and they want to charge me 500 bucks to do it. You know, my $10,000 is his $10 billion. That's all. That's the difference. But it still causes me the, probably an equal amount of heartache that it causes him. It's just, you're right. <laughs> There's more money involved. You know, uh, you mentioned uh, reading about uh, some of these people. Do you have one or two books that you would recommend for entrepreneurs? You know, I, I let me see. I got, I got to turn around because all my bookshelf behind me um, are books. You know, I really, um, I like anything by um, Michael Lewis. He wrote about um, the the financial crisis, and he's got one out now called Flash Boys, which is about the stock market. And so I love reading about those business stories. Um, and in that, uh, he's he's got it's got entrepreneurial stories built in there. So anything by Michael Lewis. Um, let's see, uh, Andrew Ross Sorkin is great too. He's a guy on CNBC, but he wrote a book called Too Big to Fail. 
I like reading about some of those those books. I know they're not directly about um, you know online businesses or internet business, but it gives you some insight into how these entrepreneurs think, and and uh, I like those. So um, I think those are two that I recommend. And okay. you know, I like these weird books. I like books. There's one that I just finished recently called The Art of Strategy. It's about uh, game theory in business and just in game theory in life. And I thought that was very interesting. And I saw a lot of things that were applicable to being an entrepreneur. Uh, and that's guy, let's see, that's, I got it on my bookshelf here. Dixit and Nailbuff, The Art of Strategy, I think is a good one. Good. Now, do you have any last words of wisdom to share about either building something from scratch or just taking your business to the next level to our audience? Yeah, I think it, it's, the, it's a balance between just doing it, just getting started. You know, quit trying to decide. I see so many people who have a job that say they want to quit their job. They want to work for themselves, but they don't know what to do. Pick one. And I think they're afraid of picking the wrong one and, and going too far along. But you know what? If you pick one and just work on it, you'll have some success with that. And if you end up that you did make a mistake, you want to try something else, that's okay. You're in no different position than if you just you, – you're kept this you – know, you've got this paralysis analysis, right? Analysis paralysis rather where you're trying to decide what to do. You don't know what kind of site to have. You have a lot of different ideas. Pick one and just go for it. Chances are it's going to be an okay one. All of your ideas are good. If one of them fails, that's okay. But the, 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 the other choice is to wait another year trying to decide and have nothing done a year from now because you're still trying to decide what to do. Pick something, do it, and at the same time try and keep that idea of the bigger picture. You have an idea of what you want your business to be. What if you know? What if it was ten times that? What would that look like? And try to vi and, you know visualize that. Maybe this is getting a little bit too touchy feely, but I think that's important. You know, just to just to start to actually make the decision to pick one idea and go for it. That's where I see people making the, where they just never get started, and they they never do. You got to make. You got to just choose one and go for it. Sounds good, uh, Tim. How can people connect with you? Sure. So you can email me. It's Tim at AfterOffers.com. On Skype, I'm Tim Berkwin. Uh, if you just want to go to the website, AfterOffers.com, I have a blog there that talks about uh, email marketing and online entrepreneurship um, that we're starting to post to you more. So go to AfterOffers.com, and my contact link is there. Those That contact form goes straight into my inbox, so you can reach me there. Well, Tim, thank you very much. Uh, everyone, be sure to check him out at AfterOffers.com. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, George. I appreciate it.